I'm Brian Nolan, the founder of the Nolan Stuttering Foundation. My son, Jack, usually does the introductions to our podcast. I'm so proud of him for that. I wanted to do this one because as both a person who stutters and a parent of two boys who stutter, I have a lot of feelings about this topic. So picture this, you're a parent of a beautiful, healthy child, and you just discovered that your child stutters. You have a flurry of feelings, anxiety, sadness, guilt, fear. You can't help but catastrophize what the future will bring for your son or daughter. You immediately think, how can I help? You think, how can I fix this? And sometimes you may take actions that actually make the situations worse or, or more difficult for your child. You see, stuttering is not something you can fix. Your goal as a parent is to have a happy child, to understand what they want, and to normalize stuttering, to not make it the thing that runs their life, to focus on what was left in, not left out, to actively listen to them, to help them advocate for themselves. You see, there is no known cure for stuttering, but your child can learn how to stutter better and not let stuttering stop them from becoming whatever they were meant to be. I'm an example. You can learn to manage this. In this podcast, I have a very engaging interview with Mackenzie Holland, a speech pathologist who runs Holland Speech Therapy in Scarborough, Maine. You see, she is a, a speech pathologist, but also a parent of a four-year-old boy who stutters and a two-and-a-half-year-old girl who is showing signs of stuttering. She's also the author of Daniel the Digger from her very own Talking Town books about stuttering. In this podcast, we dig deep into her experiences and the feelings she had when she first realized her son stuttered, how she's thinking about her son going to school and how she'll deal with him coming home with the inevitable sad time when he he gets bullied in some manner. If you are a parent of a child who stutters, please listen so closely to Mackenzie's advice about starting speech therapy or not, listening to your child and normalizing stuttering. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Stuttering Springboard. My name is Brian Nolan, the founder of Nolan Stuttering Foundation. Um, I am here today with Mackenzie Holland, a speech pathologist who runs Holland Speech Therapy in Scarborough, Maine. She has a master's degree from the University of Vermont and is the author of Daniel the Digger from her very own Talking Town books. She's a parent of a four-year-old boy who stutters, and there is some indication that maybe her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter may as well, while too early to be sure. In this episode, we want to dig into her experiences and feelings when she first realized that her son stuttered and how she, her son, and her family are 
managing it. Um, hi, Mackenzie. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on our podcast. I'm so looking forward to hearing your your perspective, both as a, a parent and an SLP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited and a little nervous. <laughs> oh, that means you're you got heightened senses. So, so it's really awesome. So tell us first about about Vaughn. Uh, he's young. When when yeah. did you realize that he stuttered? Yeah, so he actually started stuttering at about 21 months. So he wasn't even two yet. Um, and he had very, very extensive language early on. Um, and so obviously as an SLP, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe these full sentences. I mean, truly answering questions that were just beyond. We were like, wow. Um, and at first it almost sounded like prolongation. So it, it, and in a child that young, it almost sounded like kind of slurred speech. So I felt like maybe this is just developmental, truly his thoughts kind of, you know, his mouth can't keep up like that developmental disfluency. Um, and as the months started to go on, um, it kind of became more true repetitions, never any tension or anything, but it stuck around. And then that kind of prompted me to think back. Um, my husband's family is a little bit distant from us geographically, so we don't see them often, but I remembered he has a few uncles that stutter, Mm. um, and stutter through, you know, into adulthood, they still do. And so I kind of realized, I wonder, you know, it started to sink in like, oh, this might, this might actually be a thing for him. Um, but yeah, at first I, I really thought maybe, you know, it was going to be temporary, just the way it sounded. It sounded very much like we have a child with big, big language and he's just has so much to say and it can't keep up. And then we kind of realized as time went on. So when you were in in school getting your your SLP degree, uh, did did you study much stuttering therapy? Yes. So I feel super fortunate. And it's funny when I talk about this with other SLPs, we almost like fangirl about this. <laughs> so I feel very lucky. I studied stuttering under Barry Guitar. Um, and he's just kind of like this mega guy in the field. Um, and so I feel very fortunate that I learned a lot. Like I think a lot of SLPs leave grad school and they feel like, you know, stuttering or fluency as it was called then. Um, it just kind of was a quick one over and they don't feel like they got a really in-depth education about it. And I felt fortunate that Barry just being the rock star that he was, we left UVM feeling like, wow, we have a really good handle on this. And at one point, I actually said to my husband, could this be the only thing that I do? I love, like, I loved it. He has this way of, you know, we ran a support group for adults as part of it. Like it was extensive. And I left thinking like, could this really be something I really, really focus on? And this is before Vaughn. Yeah, is- oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mark uh, and I were just dating you, at the time. Little did you know you were going <laughs> to you were gonna be a full-time I know. therapist. 24 <laughs> seven. What, what made what made Barry Barry so special in in how he taught? Because you're the second person I've interviewed that has yeah. mentioned him. So I, yeah. I totally need to get him on a podcast. Oh my gosh, he would love that. And you know, I think what made him stand out is that he was so ahead of his time. Um, because I think even as a grad student, when you're just sort of you're in that like sit and get mode, like you just are getting the information so much of your time. 
he had this way of making you question things. So he would, he would give us the history and then, you know, of just therapy through the years, what it used to look like. And then he would kind of ask us, so how might we apply that today? And he would kind of wait for us all to say, well, geez, I hope we wouldn't, (laughs) you know, just sort of realizing, wow, we, this field had some work to do, has some work to do. Um, He would share his own experience as a person who stutters. Um, And really he had this one, I call it a strategy that he would use as an educator where he would get into a stutter and let himself experience it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And he would kind of point to different parts of his like body and just, so we could get a sense Mm -hmm. like, wow, everything that's happening. And then when it ended, he would say, I really just let that one rip for you guys. Like what was happening? And then he would break it down like, wow. So I felt it back here. I felt it. My brain was saying, get out, get out, get out. But I stayed, he would explain it all. And it was amazing. I mean, just, and we could say, or we, he would let us ask questions like, well, so what finally helped? Or like, you know, what did that feel like? Was it more in your throat? Was it more? And then he would ask us the more practical questions. Like what type was that? Did I show any secondary behaviors? You know, he was just amazing. And he was also ahead of his time in teaching us acceptance based therapy, um, kind of ways of being, you know? So I think a lot of my friends and other programs were still learning fluency shaping, um, just very much based on making the stutter go away. And we did learn some of those strategies, but he was always very forward in saying it has to be the person's choice. Mm, They have to be coming to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, one of the things you said in your book, and I'm jumping ahead because I'm I'm just going to let it riff. It's so much fun. (laughs) Um, that one of the things you said that really hit me at the end of your book, Daniela Digger, you said the choice to go to therapy has to be both yours and your kiddos and your child. I want to ask you to speak about that because that is not the instinct most parents have. There's like, oh, I'm going to get my child help. You don't, you don't know better, young person. You need to go for help. So just talk about that because that's so intriguing to me yeah and honestly it's I think back to two years ago Mackenzie and it's amazing to think that I fully am in this mindset now even though I knew as an SLP because of Barry because of Danra that this was the thing to do um experiencing it as a parent I had that same instinct too um just from the you want to help you know, you don't want to feel like you're sitting on your hands, but what you really, and what, you know, this has been a journey for me too. What you have to get back to is the intention of it. And so in the back of the book, when I talk about that, I say, if your child doesn't appear bothered, right, that's huge. If your child doesn't appear bothered, um, or if they're outwardly telling you, I don't want this, we have to think about the intention behind what we're doing. Because, you know, as those other strategies lay out in the back of the book, if we're doing that homework as caregivers, we're building this foundation of confidence, of advocacy, we're letting them finish their message, we're never correcting them or making them use tools at home, we're, you know, keeping that eye contact, letting them give their message exactly how they want to. But then 
we force them to go to therapy. And this is sort of another point I want to get to where SLP selection is important. Say you force them into therapy and you, you end up with an SLP who's doing, um, you know, fluency based goals. And they're saying stutter less, whether it's intentional or very direct or indirect kids are very smart. If they start getting that message, that's really confusing. And what you're doing is this big mountain. You just put your child up on, you're slowly taking them back down that mountain and saying, actually you do need to change, you know? Um, that's a, and it's that's a, really, such a powerful thing for parents to hear. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's so and, psychological as I, yes. as I reflect upon my experiences they were psychological. They were, they yes. were, I, I talk about trauma in some of, of my podcasts. I can, I can list a dozen trauma experiences. Yes. Crazy. And, you know, and I want to be careful just as an SLP and in general, as a, as a mom, you know, if you don't feel equipped, if you as a caregiver, cause this is the other intention, right? Who, who is this for? It is totally valid. If the therapy is for you, if the therapy is for you as a parent, as a parent, yeah, as a caregiver, if you need help to say, well, what can I do? That's valid and that's okay. And a lot of what an SLP actually does, if not all in the preschool years is work with the caregiver. So I'm not saying don't contact an SLP. SLPs are bad, not the messaging, not the messaging, but I'm saying we need to keep the intention behind it in mind if it's for you as a caregiver, totally, totally okay. And we need to select an SLP that is acceptance-based that's going to continue to build on the work you've already been doing as a parent. So what if, what if a, a, a caregiver needs therapy, help, mm -hmm. uh, and they go to, to the wrong SLP? Because like an SLP that doesn't get it like you and, and yeah, yeah. Andrew and, and, and Joe Donaher uh, that what, what's the ultimate goal? What's the ultimate intention of, of working with your kiddo? Yeah. So I would say parent intuition is such a strong thing and it's okay to stop. Um, it's always okay to ask questions like, huh, what, you know, what was your intention behind that? Um, or, you know, Ideally, before you've begun with your child, you've had many, many conversations with the SLP yourself. If anything feels like a red flag to you, like, oh, well, we're not trying to make him more fluent unless he wants that for a certain speaking situation. Uh, what do you mean by that? It's okay to question. It's To me, it should feel like a partnership. And honestly, the parent should play a bigger role in that partnership than the SLP. Um, so I think it's okay for it to be fluid. You're not married to an SLP if it starts to feel bad, if your child's reactions start to change. That's another thing too, like watch your child. Um, if they start doing more of those circumlocutions where they're substituting words, they're maybe talking less, you know, these are all signs. It's okay to make a change. Mm. So, so um, you would probably suggest interviewing some SLPs yeah. to, to determine um, uh, if they're right, what would be one or two questions you'd want a parent or caregiver to ask an SLP? That's such a good question. I think first I would ask maybe what their therapy style is and what they focus on in therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and that might give you an idea. They might start to either list out some of these kind of packaged programs that maybe are, maybe aren't so great. They might say something like, oh, we focus on 
advocacy, confidence, acceptance. How is your child going to interact with the real world when nice. situations arise? You know, um, I might ask, what do you know about different stuttering organizations? Are you involved in your local stuttering community? And I will add as a caveat, speech language pathology is a huge field. <laughs> and a lot of SLPs, especially SLPs in schools, they have to know about a lot of different things. And they might not always have the opportunity to access these excellent continuing eds and go to these conferences and participate. They'd be trying to do that for, you know, a hundred different things. But again, as a parent, that's when it becomes your choice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can offer support, you can offer resources, or you can say, maybe that's not, maybe that's not the best fit. And maybe we need to go in a different direction. But, but the SLP... Uh, who who is put in a school system, and this is this is where the rubber hits the road for yes the impact on a young person, and they maybe the SLP had a little bit of stuttering therapy, not under Barry guitar or right. progressive thinking around it, and they're trying. They're, the SLP mm -hmm. is just stretching. I mean, I've I've been at I've been at, at events or parties and met a SLP and uh, then gotten involved in a stuttering uh, uh, talk conversation see i should have said conversation first but i switched my words mackenzie mm -hmm. i'm not sure if you picked that up i'm a i'm a master switcher <laughs> i remember you saying that before but i i wouldn't have picked I, that one up I think, <laughs> I think uh i think that in some respect my brain acts very quickly to see a word like conversation as a longer word and i may hit a bump so let me just say talk that happens all the time. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's almost yeah, psychological, subconscious now. I don't even yeah. know. I just, I go boom, 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 boom. It's like I'm skiing downhill. Yeah. That's such a great analogy. Wow. It's crazy. And that's a lot uh, of work. But I want to be authentic. And part of, I've said part of my therapy in general is this podcast. So I could be pretty authentic with you and say conversation. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I don't even know where I was going. Like you I, were, I think you were talking about having a conversation maybe with a school SLP. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, so that's the issue. Where does a kid, kiddo go? And I, actually, I, I want to ask you how, how you feel. So your son is about, is in kindergarten or about to start next year? He's about to start. Yeah. He'll be, his birthday was right on the cutoff. So he's going to be starting pre-K, but in his public school next year. How do you, how do you feel about that as a parent? So uh, put aside your SLP. What's yeah. Going I mean, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. And I'm scared because, and you know, my husband and I talk about this, we can prepare him to, you know, the utmost degree. And I think we're doing our best with that, you know, but what we can't control so much is everyone else. And I think that's how every parent feels to some extent. And so that's what scares me. Um, and honestly, I think without knowing it, that may have been one of the reasons that we made the book because we knew it could be a way of starting that conversation, not only in his classroom, um, but in many classrooms, like as a true tool to have this conversation, regardless of how deep you want to get with it, um, about people being different, how to be a good friend, how to be inclusive when someone's having a hard time in your classroom. Um, and so I think I'm leaning on, we have this as a tool. Um, you know, I've had the conversations once with daycare and preschool teachers. So 
I'm hoping we can go into the school year, which is something I would recommend every parent do if they can have a conversation with professionals in the school that will be regularly interacting. Um, I have an awesome handout on my website that's completely free if a parent wants to snag that and print it and just to as a guide to have the conversation. It's all these strategies. It's a quick one pager, but I plan to arm myself with that and go and have these conversations. Tell us again where they can find that. So it's on the website. Um, and it's <clears throat> the website is uh, talkingtownbooks.com mm -hmm. and it's a free one pager and it's very visually friendly. So like right now, um, Vaughn's classroom teachers have it up on there. It's like at their eye level on the wall. Um, and I think it has helped. So I feel like, again, I try not to take too much action because I don't want to take that empowerment from Vaughn. I want him to feel armed too, to have these conversations himself. But, you know, when kids are still this young, it's okay to help advocate. We should be doing that work. So that's sort of how I'm comforting myself. So, so um, advocating. <clears throat> so you're you're uh, a proponent of advocating for your kiddo um, to... Uh, the schools and wherever else, um, and then eventually having Vaughn learn how to advocate for himself. Yes. All instead of advocating for ourselves, we all we hide as an alternative to that. Right. And that's right. That's when it gets real bad because that's when you're not being your your best version of yourself. But that takes such courage. Yes. How much courage it takes. It took me to be an adult before I could even even do that. Isn't that nuts? I mean, it is, but it isn't because the world we grow up in is not a kind place sometimes. And so it's, you know, that is such a common response into adulthood. And I think too, that gets back to, it's hard because I wear both hats, but you know, as an SLP, we have to know we have such an important role. We can have an important role in reducing that stigma in an entire building which is sometimes the building from hell for so many kids who stutter we have the power to say to our administrators if we're in a school system i would like to do a diversity fair i would like to do an inclusion presentation one grade at a time one classroom at a time like we have so much power and it's not typical of how a lot of what we do looks usually. So I think it's hard for some SLPs to kind of get out of that box of like, but we fix things. Mm -hmm. um, but if we can get ourselves out of that box, we have such power to help change that environment so that adults don't grow up feeling like, you know, they're doing that work in reverse for themselves. But they, but, but we need SLP mm -hmm. courage like you. It, there's not a lot of outspoken um, SLPs. I mean, they go into the school system, they do their job, as opposed to feeling like they can change the community. I mean, we need <laughs> activists in this area. Do we have enough of them? Do we have enough think, activists? Yeah, yeah, you know, I think they're out there. I think um, I have certainly connected with some, and I know we're in a very digital age, but, you know, if there are any parents listening to this, there are incredible adults who stutter, who have Instagram accounts. Stutterology is one that comes to my mind. Ezra, mm -hmm. um, they share their experiences and lean very hard into acceptance um, from a young age. They share a lot of 
ways that their mom advocated for them growing up um, and things that they would have liked to see different from their school SLPs, but also ones that rocked it. Um, and so it's really cool that we have this adult community like you, like Ezra, that we can now, it's, it's almost like a research study. Like I want to know, I want all of this longitudinal information so that we don't repeat history. Um, there's also stuttering therapy resources, which I know a lot of people know about. They have, even if you don't explore their website, just their Instagram full of information, um, and they're very balanced, you know, they offer tools for kids that want tools that are making the decision to use tools, but also lots of acceptance and confidence building. Um, you know, I also know probably a lot of SLPs in Vermont are bent toward this just because if they came from UVM, we know they got that, you know, um, from the jump, like we didn't even go into the field thinking anything else. Wow. Um, so they're out there. And, you know, but I do think it's, it will probably take some time for catch up to happen. Yeah. You know? well, between you and Danra, we're starting <laughs> to get the Northeast and I'll take Philly. We're getting yes. the Northeast <laughs> and we're bringing them together to have more, more conversations in schools about this. Let me go back to you as a mom. Um, how is it going to feel? Have you thought about, you know, one of your fears when um, Vaughn comes home from school and he's sad? Uh, he said because he was teased. Yeah, uh, and it's going. It's going to happen. I just uh, yes. myself for this. It, mm -hmm. It's. I would be. He would. It would be an amazing. I mean, I. I. I pray it doesn't. But what do you? What are your thoughts around that? Well, that is honestly one of the biggest things that keeps me up at night. <laughs> is just trying to again, like we were talking about in the very beginning, it's almost, almost as much of a journey for caregivers as it is the kiddo who's stuttering. Yeah. And so I work through that still. And I think that, um, you know, I go back to what we're doing now for building his confidence and just, will I be able to pull from those same strategies? So knowing I hear that that happened, validating, like, it is absolutely not okay that someone reacted that way to you. And I want you to keep telling me that's huge in our house. Like we want you to tell us um, it's safe for you to tell us. And then I think where I'm going to have the hardest time is not barging into the principal's office. Well, not, not advocating <laughs> further. So advocating yes. start to, to yes. lay the groundwork but not barging in. Do you know what's happening? There's bullying happening in this school. Yes, exactly. And then all of a sudden your, your son is watching you. Right. Uh, and is he and how does he feel? Does he feel yes. shame? Exactly. Or, uh, um, so this is this the part that he learns to advocate for himself. So is that right. what you, you would offer as a parent, some coaching? Yeah, I think that's a huge part again. Like when I said, if you are in therapy with an SLP, a huge part in this, especially the younger years, it's very caregiver based. And that's a lot of what we'll talk about is where is the balance? And again, I don't think there's like a 100% black and white, right or wrong answer. Every child is different. Every school is different. Every instance is different. So I think it has to kind of ebb and flow, but I think especially in these younger ages, there will be some parent advocacy and follow-up that needs to happen, but not forgetting that other piece, which is what you said. They will be watching 
And how can we give some of that power back to them? Because chances are it won't be a one and done scenario and we can't be there all day, every day. So what does that look like? What are words that feel good to them to say about it? Practicing with them, um, you know, these little, like right now, so Vaughn's four and we've taught him and, you know, I don't think, knock on wood, I don't think there's been instances at school. I think they would have told me in his preschool, um, but kids are kids and they don't always know about turn-taking. So right now, one thing that's happening is kids will jump in and they won't let him finish. So he now knows I wasn't done. Don't interrupt me. He knows those two phrases. Wow. And we've practiced them. They get practiced regularly in our house because now my daughter doesn't stop talking ever. (laughs) So he can practice on Abby. (laughs) Um, I wasn't done. You know, don't interrupt me. Wow. Um, so we've started there and that will shift as he gets more comfortable talking or more aware even of his stutter and more comfortable talking about it. That will shift to, you know, I stutter, I need a moment or whatever it might be. So as the age progresses, we're going to arm him with different ways to advocate. Um, well, you know, my my biggest takeaway here when I, I didn't expect this was that it's as much work for for the caregiver. The therapy is for the caregiver, and we need more caregiver conversations because it's it's about a whole life as opposed to thirty minutes a week in speech therapy, where right. we're trying to get a tool, get them to use a tool, and yes. uh, so the real work is for the parents. Yes, and. Caregiver. Yeah, no. And and again, like, even as you say that out loud, it conjures like, okay, well, then school based therapy inherently has some flaws, right? Because it's hard, the parent isn't even present. Um, and so that's where things like communication journals and stuff like that come into play. Um, but in the and it does shift as the kiddo gets older, you know what I mean, depending on what that kiddo wants from therapy, if they're even in therapy, mm-hmm. it may be more the SLP is able to have those conversations with the kid about confidence building, but the parent should always be in the loop. Um, but yeah, in those preschool years, um, mm. is hugely, I would say 90 to a hundred percent, ideally focused on the caregiver. Wow. <clears throat> That's so, uh, as opposed to caregiver saying, can you, can you help my child and, yeah. and say, you know, uh, so caregiver study, stuttering therapy wow that's I mean that that um that is certainly a underserved area yeah yeah <laughs> it's so underserved because it's yeah. the first time I've had this degree of of conversation about it yes I'm but, actually running a preschool stuttering group right now it's going to be starting after um indigenous people's day and it is like the whole first part of it was caregiver communication because it's happening at the preschool. And so my concern was we're in these preschool years, you have to be involved still. So what's that going to look like? And we had to problem solve journals, um, the parent being fully aware, both parents being fully aware of like the wording I'm going to use, um, handouts that are going to go home. And then we're going to do basically a little mini recording of certain parts of sessions to send. But like, that's how much I believe in. They need to know what's happening and they need to be okay with what's happening. And we had to do a lot of counseling in advance about, you know, just 
education around stuttering, like there is no cure. Um, this may or may not that, you know, the environmental changes, the confidence boosting advocacy skills that we're going to work on, this may help with their speech, but it also may not. But more importantly, it's going to help with how they feel as a human being. Um, and that took like several hours of conversations, you know, like that's a hard, and it's not even like we hang up the phone and then they're there. That's a hard thing. So uh, you, you have me thinking so much about um, how to, how to continue developing resources for the parent who, who, who is struggling uh, to figure out what to do and not to do. And almost like a, a course on this uh, three, <clears throat> three or four, um, classes on this topic and then um and then uh roundtable discussions where parents can get on and talk to each other and help help each other through experiences that's what we need i love that idea so much yeah, I, I think that <laughs> I, I gotta tell you I, I think that's where i'm going yeah so i i could have guests like yourself join and dan periodically yeah. uh just to just to you know offer advice and I, I think sometimes the parent just probably needs, needs to uh, get their sadness out by talking about it and I know my kiddo is going to come home and and be sad and gosh the fear because I mean as a parent I'm a parent of three kids two boys who stutter one girl who does not and if I tell you like the the thoughts that went through my mind as my kids are growing up, the thoughts of guilt as a parent, first of all, because I stuttered, did I, I pass this on, um, only to realize that they, they harbored no, no bad feelings. In fact, they love me, I think, dearly, and we, and we talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, let's talk, little, let's talk a little bit about the book. Yeah. Um, because, uh, I've got the book here, and I would I would love to learn um, what what inspired you to write this book. Yeah, so I think I mean, of course, Vaughn was like the main impetus. But um, around December of last year, um, he started showing us in very subtle ways. Like I think if we weren't really paying attention, we might have missed it. Um, that he was becoming more aware of his stutter. And so from the jump, we were like, we were always super open about if we had, you know, as soon as we noticed this was something after a few months, we started openly saying whenever we would have a bump or a repetition in our speech, we would say, oh, that was a little stutter. Sometimes that happens. It just kind of move along, but just so he could hear the word. Around December of last year, um, he definitely seemed to be aware of his own stuttering for the first time. And so here and there, we would notice him kind of stop. And again, he is like a talker and a storyteller. So for him to stop in the middle of a sentence and change a word, um, we knew, huh, for huh. some reason, he is realizing there's going to be a bump. Maybe he just doesn't like how it feels and he's changing a word, things like that. Um, and after that had happened, maybe like three or four times, my husband and I started talking and we were like, maybe we need a more concrete way because naming it as it happens, you know, if he ever got really, really stuck, we would say something like, you know, when it was, when it was done, we would say, we heard that, that sounded like it was hard for you, but we still want to know your message, you know, things like this. Um, but we 
felt like that was kind of abstract, like for a child that young, you know? And so we were like, well, how do we teach him about other things? How did we teach potty training? How did we, and we were like, we read books. Um, and so we started digging to just see if something existed. And there are definitely a handful out there, but I feel like they're either geared towards slightly older kids or there was always a bent of like trying to change it or like the hero of the story ends up. Like he know, finally got his words out the way he wanted. Yeah. And, and he was like, smooth. That's not the goal here because it, it may not happen. So let's stop. Let's get a goal that's real. Yes. Practice communication effectiveness. Yes, exactly. And just having that character feel good even though they stuttered anyway, exactly. Um, and so we were like, what if we wrote a book? And at first we were sort of just like throwing ideas out there. Like that is probably the most, you know, how would we ever figure out how to do that? It's probably the most intense experience. Like we know nothing about this. And then we started just, it seemed like a theme after bedtime, we would come back together and we would be like, but what if we did do it? And so one night my husband was like, well, if we were to do this, <laughs> it should definitely be, a crew of construction vehicles because Vaughn is just like a vehicle kid through and through. And so many little kids are, they go through that phase of loving vehicles. And um, he, and then like the next night he was like, what if the vehicle's engine sputtered? And that's how we talked about stuttering. And I was like, I really think we should just write it and see what happens. And so um, we were like, well, what do we need? You know, we need a problem. And then we said, what's important to us that the character solves the problem. He stuttered anyway, and that his friends are celebrating this difference with him. They're including him. It's, it's a positive thing. You know, it ends in happiness, which like what kid doesn't love ice cream usually. Um, and so we had these like bones and then the next night I just sat down and like wrote it in a night. <laughs> which is wild. And then came like many weeks of editing and we had it edited and whatnot. Yeah, the the um, illustrator was great too. Yeah. Yes. So again, we're talking about Daniel the Digger, sp sp sputters. Talk about the word sputter and how in your conversation with him, you correlate sputter to stutter. Do you, and what do you, what are your conversations about stuttering to Vaughn like? And, how, and do, do you talk about that word versus stutter? Yeah. So the cool thing is when we, I feel like every time we read the book and he does ask for it a lot, different things happen. Like sometimes he just wants to read the book. And so we do that. Um, sometimes he'll bring that connection himself. Like Daniel sputters, just like I sputter. And I say, yeah, like you mean stuttering. Um, Daniel's engine stutters, right? Just like sometimes our voices stutter and we kind of make the connection. So I think what's cool is it's given us more opportunity to talk about it like just frequency but then the depth of how we talk about it has changed because there's that one two-page spread that like describes the three big types mm -hmm. and it's allowed us to talk about like oh what? yeah of course sometimes yeah you know what i mean that at all sometimes yeah 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 and we talk about the illustrations like well why do you think it looks dusty when nothing's coming out and why you know why does it look all bumpy when his, when his engine is doing the, the, this, you know? And so it allows us to have like a different level of conversation, I think, even though we're not talking about his voice mechanism, which I think is really cool. But honestly, like the best part of this book, and I feel so straight talking about it, like about my own book, but one of the best parts I think is that even as a caregiver, you can let it be 
whatever you're ready for it to be, if that makes sense. So if you, because like we've talked about, it's a journey for us too. And yes, the quicker you can get to saying the word stuttering and being open and accepting, obviously the better for your child. But many people start at a very different point than that. And I feel like this book lets you, if you need to just read this yourself and just cry, if you need to read this with your kiddo and just read it like it's a book about being a good friend a couple times, Mm -hmm. do that. It can be so subtle or you can get so into it. And I think as a parent, that's just as helpful as for the child. (laughs) Like, I really, really feel so strongly about that. And then if you're ready for like really in-depth, you can use those free resources on the website, that resource bundle, Mm -hmm. and really get into it. Like, I have a whole thing about how Daniel self-discloses about his stutter, um, how Daniel tells his friends how to be good listeners. You know, they're almost like story, like alternate parts or endings. So you can really get into it as much or as little as you're ready for. So um, let's talk, talk about your next book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I had this vision for you. I, I, I don't know. I'll just riff with you here about it that, uh, you know, born starts school. Uh, so now we have a boy. So now that now it's about a boy who is starting school and he breaks through a couple tough situations in school uh is have have to address your fears uh and to then further educate and even to use that book to educate the school he's going to have you given much thought to that i have we've actually thought a lot about like where to kind of take this next um we we actually have so one story is written about the paver in the story who uses AAC to communicate, um, to just talk about different communication differences. We've also talked about, like you said, carrying on with Daniel, um, in different situations. So like he, you know, goes to maybe a totally unfamiliar situation. Like he has to talk to a doctor, um, where it makes him feel nervous and you know what I mean? Or his first day of school or his first big presentation, Um, And we've talked about how those themes can kind of grow with age so that they're always relatable. Um, And we've also talked about, like you said, at what point um, could we shift to more relatable for older kids? Like, what does that look like? Um, But yeah, I, it's funny that you mentioned just sort of like my own fears as a parent, because I do think writing this Daniel was very therapeutic (laughs) for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must go back and forth, uh, but then you go back to, to Vaughn's Vaughn's strengths. What are some of Vaughn's strengths? Oh my gosh. So Vaughn has so many strengths. First, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is honestly that he's hilarious. Like he, his sense of humor is so, I think he's just an old soul truly because he loves making these play on words that are just, they're honestly hysterical. Like he makes jokes he he creates songs like while he's playing he's making up songs they rhyme they're funny um like his language is just so vast and he loves talking to people so I feel like that's that kind of sums up who he is he's also super athletic Mm. shocking because I am not athletic my husband is though oh there you go Um, but he does soccer right now and he's loving it. And actually at the beginning of every practice, 
they sit in a circle and they go around and say their names because they're still little and they see each other once a week. Um, and then they say like one week, it was, what's your favorite snack? One week, it was, what's your favorite show? And it's so amazing to watch him now. And I just wish I could freeze time and everybody in his life because he's so confident. He'll, he just says it. If he has a bump, whatever, you know, he's just, he rocks it. And I'm so proud of him. Mm. Um, and I just think if it could only stay like that. Mm. Have, have you thought about, I mean, like that, that's the key so yes. about psychological health counseling, mental health therapy. So he does stay that way. Like it had a, cause that's, that's probably what I should have had. Uh, only my, only my senior year in high school, right before go to college, did I meet up with um, a therapist, a uh, speech therapist who thought like you guys do, who started to focus on what I do well and confidence and the the image of Brian as an outgoing person. Uh, that That's when that was the shift. So you could do it at home. What about you getting other support? Do you, do you talk about, as opposed to Daniel, I'm sorry, Vaughn, <laughs> as opposed to Vaughn go, going to a SLP in school. Do you intend to have him go to an SLP in school? There's no. a topic for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we will, to be honest, unless he gets to a point where he's, um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say, I don't think so, but certainly not when he enters pre-K, like I'm not going to have him enter the school system with that. Um, if he, just because at home, I feel like we kind of have that grasped right now, but as things shift and change and he grows, we are certainly going to follow his lead. You know, I am going to practice what I preach in the book, which is if he's showing us even subtly that things are changing, or if he's outright saying, this is bothering me and I need support and I don't want it to be you, mom, you know, like that is absolutely what we will do. Right. Um but you better bet that I'm going to be vetting that person <laughs> so thoroughly, especially if I'm not present. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you know the SLPs in the school system? I do know a few. I actually used to be at his elementary school. I used to be that SLP for a few years before I started the practice. So okay. I'm familiar with the school and a lot of the people in it, which is really, that also helps me sleep at night a tiny bit. And they, they, they have alignment in in their therapy with you yeah. yes um yep when we did his pre-k screening last year when we weren't quite sure if we were going to send him or not um i loved the conversation she had with me when um because they do like each of the specialty areas will do their part and then like a general you know education assessment and when she came out they each come out and kind of tell you like oh he did great in this oh this mm -hmm. and she came out and she made sure vaughn was with me and she said, well, he is such a confident communicator. Um, he told me this, this, and this. And, you know, there, I definitely noticed a few stutters. He kept right on going and he was happy as can be. And then mm -hmm. she told me like all of the skills he had from a speech and language perspective. So she was very much like we're saying the word. He did, you know, he was confident. That was the first thing she said. He is such a confident, effective communicator. And I was like, you got it. And um, so, so focusing on on his his strengths for parents listening, I, I don't think there's anything more important. You know, we always say focus on what was left in, not left out and and just focus on what what he then he, then he'll 
he'll maintain his confidence because he's got yes. he's got this identity. When you're young and you stutter, when you're older, older and you stutter, sometimes your identity is I stutter. It's like the 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 fact that you stutter takes on such a comprehensive component of how we identify who we are. I can't even tell you it's huge. And and so to get to avoid that, get, making it be, uh, as, as I've said several times, seeing the whole world through a stuttering lens. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you how much that sucks? Yeah. <laughs> tell you that? Like every single situation you think about, I may have a difficult time talking here. Is the person going to find me out? Am I going to be outed that I stutter? And I remember still like in high school and college, I remember in college, freshman year, I was only there three weeks. And one one guy who I'll call a, a bully in front of three or four people said, why do you talk that way? And I was mortified because I was just beginning to rock it. Like I was, yeah. I was forming a group friends and all. And then fortunately, one of my buddies who I just met and say, he said, why do you talk that way? Why do you talk the way you talk? Get off his back. And it dropped. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I was fortunate that I had had this thing. And so strength in numbers too, like associate with people who who understand you as a human being. Yes. uh, Of course, I I didn't associate with many other people who stuttered until now. Mm -hmm. And that's, has Vaughn been around anybody else who stutters? So he actually hasn't really. Um, And what's been amazing is doing these events with Daniel. Like I've done a couple local story times and it's actually not even been on purpose, but um, throughout that time, there have been families who like say they came because they saw the flyer and it was a construction vehicle book. They ended up approaching me afterwards. This has happened two or three times now. And they've said, you know, my daughter stutters or my son stutters and they're right over there. And they were like in tears the whole time. And so we've arranged play dates and things like that. And so it's almost perfect. That is so great. Isn't that the coolest? I love that you're doing that. It's amazing. And the parents, I mean, again, it's like, I think it's therapeutic for everyone involved. I really do. It's so healing and just crying with these moms (laughs) at the end of a story time, just being like, you live a town away from me. Like, let's get these kids together. Yeah. Um, and so it's growing. It's growing. Yeah. But I think there, again, there are parent group, you know how there are groups of your towns that have little Facebook groups. Yes. That is there is there a parent group like this? You know, there are on like bigger scales. So like the NSA has a group that's specific for parents, but I don't know of any regional ones. Um that's my that's my well, a lot of takeaways, but that's one of my major takeaways. Yes, is the start of a of a local uh, online group of parents who can just learn from each other, yes. empathize. Because you feel alone too. Like, what do I mm-hmm. do? How's it going to impact my son or daughter? Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> I I like to ask you to do is um, is to just go through it, sort of in a, a summation. Some of the some of the uh, techniques, or um, what you call uh, caregiver strategies for preschool age age stuttering, and I'm I'm going to read this quote one more time, and then you'll you'll uh, jump off it for me and add and add okay. to it. This is a this is a quote at the end in the book. It's important for your child 
to have lots of say as to when, if SLP support is warranted. Also take a child's feelings, thoughts, and responses to their stuttering into consideration when making these decisions together. If your child does not appear bothered, as you said earlier, by their stutter, or they do not want to start speech therapy, it's imperative that you follow their lead and understand their wishes. This may be tough for parents to be sure. Um, so this is the point of my child stutters. Wow. What's the first thing you would advise them to do? So the very first thing I would advise them to do, if, if they're listening to this right now and could follow this as a guide, would be the most important thing is to keep allowing home, or if it hasn't been this way, start right now, allowing home to be a completely safe space. We're not asking them to change how they communicate. We're not going to criticize or correct anything. Just let home be a place where they can be completely themselves and allowing them to understand through that, that what they're saying is far more important than how they're saying it. So mm. that would be step one. Home needs to be safe, no matter what you're feeling on the inside, how much you want to fix. It's really important that they don't feel that they need to change anything, especially at home. Because there may come times later on where they might want to use tools to change their speech, make it feel easier in certain situations when they're like they have to give a presentation and they, they want to make it feel easier. Yes. So an easy right. onset may be a tool to give them mm -hmm. confidence. I, I can get any word out if I just, you know. Exactly. But at home, we are not asking them to use tools. They are going to let it rip or not however they want. Um, and then the next thing I would say, which is also really hard. And again, as we kind of alluded to earlier with Daniel, it can take a little bit to get to this point, but as quickly as possible, if you can feel comfortable saying the word stuttering. Um, there was a study done years ago. Most of us who work with people who stutter know about this study. It was found to be completely false evidence was, you know, again, just falsified. There was no truth behind it. This person did a study and said that they found if parents talked about stuttering, it made it worse. That is not true. What happens when we don't talk about it is we have a really confused child, especially if they're really young. They don't understand why did I wake up one day and my words are having trouble coming out. They feel very alone and if no one's acknowledging it, I mean, can you imagine having a broken leg and you're walking around your house and nobody's doing or saying anything about it? It's very confusing. And that's where shame and stigma are born. You so are it's, so right. It's the biggest yeah. secret no one yeah. talks about. Everybody knows about it. Yes. It's yeah. And it's just this, it's this, you, you have this big S on your head stuttering. And which is why I think a lot of people have a, people who stutter have a hard time saying the word stutter. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Is. It's like um, it's like Harry Potter uh, with that that uh, he he's what is it? He he uh, whose name shouldn't be mentioned. Yes. You know um, who's the bad guy in in uh, Harry Potter? I I should know this. Anyway, you don't That's say that bad. word. You don't say yes. it. You don't talk mm -hmm. about it. Yes, and That's this is like we want the opposite. Yes, we want it to be like this is just like your hair color or your eye color. It's just something that's happening. This happens to some people. Uh, but what really matters about you 
is that you're telling us how you feel your, your, yourself, you're funny. Um, you know, so by saying it just very matter of factly, we are starting the foundation. You know, I almost think when kiddos start stuttering when they're younger, um, it's almost a blessing because we really get in at the ground floor when they're still forming all these ideas about themselves and they're in a relatively safe situation and we can build the foundation right from the bottom. You know what I mean? So just say it as quickly as you can use tools like Daniel or something else that can kind of help progress you through that fear into acceptance, which again, I know is no small thing. Um, and then the other thing that I would say that's huge is to also do this around other people. So people are going to ask you about it. Um, my own family, you know, this happens it, and they come from a good place, but they say it kind of like this. What's going on with Vaughn's speech? Right. Have you, have you been noticing that? Like what? And you know, the hand comes up. So like Vaughn won't even see them talk. And this is like the moment. It's really hard. And you are so good. <laughs> I feel like so good. <laughs> I feel like I fumbled this pass a couple times when it first started, you know, yeah. and I was kind of like, yeah, he's, you know, it's fine. I tried to kind of make the question go away. And yeah. now I'm like ready for that question. And I want Vaughn to be right next to me because this is the chance to say, yeah. Vaughn stutters sometimes. We've been hearing it too. We're exploring it with him. We like to just let him finish and then we move on. And I love hearing him say that because then he's hearing me say the word stutter in a very accepting way. He's also hearing me say he gets to take up space and time, mm. which is huge. He's hearing me say that to another adult that he loves usually because it's usually a family member or like a close friend. He gets to take up space and time. We let him finish. Um, and you know, if they have more questions, I will go into it more. I'll say, yeah, we, we actually don't interrupt. We don't finish sentences for them. Um, that actually doesn't help people. who. Oh, I, I feel like that this, this thing that you just said, this, this last uh, minute or two, um, I, I can go back and just talk about how I did it so wrong. Cause I, I, I didn't want, uh, my boys to be found out. Like I didn't want to be found out. And so I didn't talk to my, even my siblings or my wife's nine siblings. You know, we don't know what we, we don't know until we know, you know? And I say that to so many families, we just don't know until we know. It's huge. And so then, yeah. that's the message is to talk about it. Yes. And then, you know, if a family wants to go a little bit deeper, and again, this is a lot of responsibility. So like when, when I work with a family, we start with like one of these, like per month, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to, just to break it into pieces. But, you know, the last two things that I would really say that are kind of more practical are as adults we can model kind of like what I'm doing now, just slightly, it's not turtle talk. It's not, um, it's not modeling like I, in a way that would suggest, I don't think you understand me, but just taking 
some additional pauses to slow your rate, it can really create a more relaxed environment, especially for a preschooler because they tend to go really, really fast. <laughs> well, what's key about that too is uh, it doesn't feel rushed. So yes. I know you're going to listen to me and mm -hmm. I know you feel rushed when there's talk, 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 back and forth, talk, 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 back, back and forth. And if yes. I can't get it out quick enough, I'm going to lose your attention. But if I'm demonstrating a methodology mm -hmm. of active listening and talking in a pace that reflects thinking and understanding, uh, then it's going to create just a better place. Although, exactly. yeah, that, that they're, they're going to get outside to, to a school and they're going to have to, maybe then they'll end, they'll then talk in a calmer way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We do tend to kind of meet where our communication partners are at. Yeah. I do think that happens. So yes. Also though, we've taught them for the bigger, you know, real world to use those key phrases too. So if they get in the real world and somebody is cutting them off, that's when the like, oh, I wasn't finished. Um, don't interrupt me. <laughs> that's where those will come into play too. Um and then the last thing that I just want to say, like, if you're a parent and this is what you're hearing about the first things to do, um, is this strategy called recasting. And this is um, actually a speech and language strategy for any child learning language. But for kiddos who stutter, it has shown to really be effective and just kind of slowing down the moment again. And so what this means is like when preschoolers are telling stories, they get really convoluted and roundabout, and this is any preschooler, they go into details and then they forget where they were. And then it's this whole new thing. And so the idea is when they're done, so whether there were stutters in there or not, like, again, this is nice for any preschooler, you just repeat back the main ideas to them in a way that is relaxed. You can call it smooth. You cannot call it smooth, but just repeating back those big ideas. And again, it brings the energy down, but it tells them no matter where that story took us, I heard your biggest messages. I was invested in your message. Well, you know, what's important about that is, um, so I'm, I'm a business coach uh, and I coach leaders uh, and that, that we, we call active listening. Yeah. yeah. Act, active listening. There's a shortage of uh, in general. <laughs> and so when, when they're talking to an employee, um, so what I heard you say is that you'd like me to blank, 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 and people want to feel heard. My yes. goodness, people want to feel heard. And uh, so active listening, as opposed to thinking what I'm going to say next, I'm actually listening to what you're saying, affirming it, and then and then responding. Now we're having a conversation. Yes, and now that's actually a, a counseling technique. Yeah, right, right. You know, I mean, yeah. it's huge. Yeah, uh, so... Um, Mackenzie Holland, you and I could talk for a couple more hours. You might get me to uh, cry a couple more times just as I reflect back on, on my my history and uh, as as a person who stutters and as a parent of boys who stutter uh, and now as uh, as as an advocate for all that you talk about. Um, and I I I assure you, I will carry the flag of yes. acceptance, communication. Uh, diversity in speech, uh, I will carry that flag. It, it, is, it, it will be <laughs> my final you. life's work. Uh, yes, thank you. I, I want to thank you for being here. 
Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, I hope whoever listens to this, the conversation just keeps going. It will. Until next time, be bold and be brave. Thanks so much. Nolan Stuttering Foundations, or NSF's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming design to help them share and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenge they experience. NSF helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.